There we go. Um, But it's, yeah, it's good to be here, and um, we have been leading Life Changes Church for the, I think it's the last eight years. It's been such an incredible journey and a privilege for us. We've got three wonderful wild boys, which life wouldn't be the same without, and um, there's one of them there sitting on Dad's lap, and excitement is um, rising in the VP, the Fun Pletson household, because Easter is coming up. And um, the excitement around having this Easter egg hunt, you're never too old to do an Easter egg hunt. I mean, my eldest is turning 13 this year, but he still enjoys the good old Easter egg hunt. And um, I just love how different my boys are. They are radically different in the way they look. They're radically different in the way their, their characters and their personalities. And I just love, I love the creativity of God. I love that about them. And I love how different their approaches are to Easter. Judah, the other day, actually, well, to the Easter egg hunt, Judah, the other day, actually challenged me and said to me, Mom, you know what? It is so unfair that we go on this, like, Easter egg hunt and we give it all we've got. And if you know anything about my first son, Judah, he gives everything, like, 150%. He is just all in or nothing. He's go for gold, a bit like his father. And um, he, he said, it's so unfair. I sweat and I work so hard and we get, I get all these eggs and I'm always the one that gets more than the others, you know, Mr. Confident. And we all have to bring our eggs together, all the kids, and then we have to distribute it equally. It's just, I mean, where's the justice in that? What is that, mom? And that's Mr. Justice for you, Judah van Pletsen. And then Ben's approach would be so different. He's very generous. He's very kind-hearted. <laughs> and he would literally just give all his eggs to the kids that only had one or two. I mean, that's my Ben for you. And then Daniel, this little mischievous one over here, is um, he would probably hide a few eggs in his pockets and his, his hoodie or I'm not, maybe even his undies. <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's the mischievous one. But I just love how they approach like a thing like Easter, you know, and um, Easter egg hunt so differently. But anyway, jokes aside, um, today, if you don't know, is Palm Sunday. And I just thought I would love to be able to share on the story of Palm Sunday and how Jesus rode in on a donkey. I think we all know, well, most of us know the story of him riding in on a donkey um, entering into Jerusalem. But, you know, we, we're not a religious church. That would, what I mean by that is we don't follow all the religious days eating, leading up to Easter. But our, we are a church who loves Jesus. And we are a church who, and a community who absolutely goes after Jesus. And, and I'm just praying that Jesus has revealed so much more to us this morning. Um, so just to give you a little bit of context of the story, um, Palm Sunday would have been the first day of the Holy Week. And this would be the time where a whole bunch of Jews from inside Jerusalem and outside of Jerusalem would, would travel and come up for all the festivities. And there was a, in the word it says, there was a great crowd. Say great crowd. Great crowd, okay, a great crowd that was gathering, and they heard the news that Jesus was, was here, and he was entering Jerusalem, and there was this excitement in the air, and there was a bustle, and a, a, just a, you know, everyone's so excited to see and meet this Jesus, and uh, Jesus was pulling a crowd, yeah, and the, the news had gone out as well that his last miracle that he'd done just prior to this was raising Lazarus from the dead. He raised a dead man who was three days dead. And he raised him to life. So everybody's like, oh my gosh, who is this man? Or I mean, some of them didn't believe he was the Messiah. Maybe some of them did. But they were, he was the next big thing in town. And um, let, I think let's just read out of the, the book of John about this account. And that if you can turn to me to um, John 12, verses 12 to 19. And let's read it together. It'll be on the screen. 
The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, say many people, many people, because they had heard that he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees, which were the Jewish leaders of that time, said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And I just want to pray for us this morning before I share. Let's just close our eyes. Father God, I just thank you for the privilege of being able to share your word this morning. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you be with me as I share, and I pray that our hearts will just be more and more open to you, Lord, that you would reveal who you are as Christ, our King, our Lord and Savior this morning. Thank you that you are with us in your precious name. Amen. So I just want to focus, actually, this story, I want to focus on the crowd. And in this crowd that was gathering, there would have been three different groups of people. I'm just imagining there would have been the, and I would call them the fantastic, sorry, the fanatical, thank you, the fanatical fans. So these are the ones that are singing glory, glory, hallelujah, hosanna, praise be the king. It is getting all gospel out there. You know, I'm just trying to think of an illustration. You could maybe hear the, the organ in the background and it's getting wild and it's crazy. It's crazy. Come on. Somebody say, come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so where was I? All right, there we go. So that would have been the fanatical fans. And you would have had your um, Pharisees, which were the Jewish leaders. And then you would have probably had the Romans, who were the Roman guys overseeing all of this and making sure there wasn't going to be some kind of revolt. And so just like my three boys would, would respond so differently and approach Easter so differently, and, and the Easter egg hunt. I know it's a silly rem, uh, example, but you would have these three groups of people in the crowd that would respond so differently to Jesus on that day with various backgrounds, and you can just imagine yourself in the crowd. As much as, but for me, as much as Palm Sunday is a reminder to us of our humble king riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, I think that we are confronted with the question if I was there, how would I respond? If you were there, how would you respond and how would you react? And I just believe as I've been preparing and stuff, God's really just nudged my heart. And I, I pray that he nudges your hearts this morning. And he would ask the question, who are you this Easter? Who are you this Easter? And that is the title of my preach. So to be honest, um, come on, let's just be honest with ourselves. We all want to be the hero of the story, right? We want to be Jesus. Obviously, we are followers of Christ. We want to be like him. It's, you know, it's not a bad thing. But when you think about uh, movies. The guys, so they always want to be Iron Man, or the women, they always want to be Wonder Woman, or whatever your superhero is. Um, we don't naturally gravitate towards the villains, right? I've got um, my little ones, they're growing out of those costumes a bit, but I've got a whole bunch of costumes and outfits of Superman, and Batman, and Iron Man, and you name it, but there's, there's nothing there like the Lex Luthor, which is the villain of Superman. They don't have those outfits. We all want to be the star of the show. And I mean, this is a, a, 
funny example, but when I was younger, I used, I used to dance, and we were preparing a dance. I was about eight years old, and it was supposed to be the scene of a dressing table. And there were different um, girls were like different things on the dressing table, like perfume, the brush, the mirror. You can imagine the outfits were rather interesting. I got the role of the lipstick. So I was dressed all in red with a cone above my head. Um, not the greatest role, but we, <laughs> we all wanted to be the ballerina who came out of the jewelry box. You know, the jewelry boxes that open and the ballerina spins around. All of us girls wanted to be that girl. We wanted to be the star of the show. And, um, but what I want to focus on here is the, the crowd and how they respond to the true hero of the story, Jesus. And um, so my first point is, are you the crowd? If you're taking notes, are you the crowd? Okay, the first one is the fanatical fans. Uh, Mark and I were watching a documentary on uh, Michael Jordan, which is, he was the greatest basketball player of all time. And if you haven't watched that documentary on Netflix, do yourself a favor, watch it. It was brilliant. Uh, just an incredible man, incredible leadership, and showed so much determination and discipline and just a really phenomenal man. And, but how the fans would just put him up on this pedestal, and he was this idol, and they, they just thought he was absolutely perfect. But they were so ready to tear him down the minute he made a mistake. And he's human. He made, you know, we all make mistakes. And he was just saying in the interview how people love a hero, and people love, you know, um, the fans love a hero, but at the same time, they love to see the mighty fall. And isn't that true? Um, yeah, and so this bunch of um, Jews and pilgrims, they were welcoming in their hero, Jesus, and they were tearing off their robes, and they were, you know, got a bit crazy. They were climbing palm trees and pulling off all the palm branches and waving them in the air and going wild. But um, some of, okay, where am I? Sorry. Here we go. Okay. Some believed him as Messiah, but others didn't really know him. I mentioned that before. But, you know, in the same way as lifting Michael Jordan up as, a, as an idol and a hero, you know, we can, we can think of people that we follow on Facebook. We've, we've all got our heroes, and they've got a million followers and whatever. We don't really actually know the person, but we follow them. And this was almost like this crowd. You know, they were shouting Hosanna, proclaiming the king of Israel. Um, but the same crowd that recognized him as the king of Israel and were shouting his praise, just a week later were shouting, crucify him. Just a week later, they were proclaiming him king of Israel, but just a week later, they were nailing him to the cross. And for me, that is just such an example, and it's just such a reminder of my own fickle, fleshy, human heart and how desperately I need a savior. Sometimes I can be so inconsistent, and, um, you know, it's so easy to follow when things are going well and, well, and we're caught up with the crowd, and worship is wild and wonderful, and we're feeling the presence of God, and we're seeing signs and wonders and miracles and, um, you know, it's easy to follow him and, and, and lift him up as Lord and Savior. But what happens when life throws us a curveball? What happens when we don't get that job or that person that we so loved for so many years rejects us? Or we get ill and we don't see our miracle. We don't see our healing. Is he still Lord? Is he still Savior of our lives? Even the disciples they um, followed Jesus for three years, and they witnessed so many signs and miracles. They were the ones that fled when he was nailed to the cross. There was only one disciple that was at the foot of the cross. They were all hiding. And so I just want to say this, this crowd is, again, just a reminder of our desperate need for a Savior. And you know what? We have that Savior. 
we have that Savior in Jesus Christ. It says in Romans 6 verse 10, we have a Savior who died to sin once for all. For all my sin, for all my inconsistencies, for all my weakness, for all my mistakes, for all time, for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. This is how good he is. This is how good the grace of God is and the freedom that I have in Christ Jesus. It is it is good news. It is good news. And then the second person, group of people in this uh, crowd is the religious Pharisees, the, the Jewish leaders. And um, they were getting frustrated and agitated and obviously jealous because Jesus had all these followers. And at the same time, there were the priests that, according to the, the traditions, they would be praising God in the temple. And they would be quoting this scripture. Let me read it to you. This, on this day, Psalm, uh, what do you call it? Palm Sunday, sorry, okay, it's been a long morning. Lift up your heads, you gates, this is Psalm 24. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. You see, the Pharisees and the priests and were following all their traditions and all their religious duties. They failed to recognize the very presence of God. They failed to recognize that Jesus was, was there on that day. They were so busy quoting all their scriptures, and they would have known the scriptures, you know, to a T, but they'd fail to understand it. And we need the Spirit of God. We can read our Bibles five hours a day. We can come to church. We can tick all those boxes. We can pray, which is wonderful. No, those are good things. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But if we don't have God's presence, and we don't have His, His Spirit inside of us, those things, they, they, they did. They did. And you will fail. You will miss Sorry, let me say this. Legalism will always make you miss the glory of God. I want to see God's glory. I want to know His presence. I want, to, I, want to, I want to walk in His power. It's all about Him. And then verse 19, the Pharisees, they say to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. See how futile your efforts are and how you accomplish nothing. And isn't that just true about legalism and religion? Without the Spirit of God, it gets you nowhere. It accomplishes nothing. And um, Philippians and Philippians 3, the Apostle Paul, before he came to know Christ, he says this, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he lists all these credentials, you know, a Hebrew of Hebrews born uh, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, and he lists all these things, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. And then later on, he says, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to get rid of it, but to fulfill it so that we, didn't, we don't have to live under that. And there is such freedom in Christ. There is such freedom in him. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one may boast. If you can remember one scripture this morning, remember this one, Ephesians 2.18. We are saved by grace through faith. And then later on, the, the Pharisees, they say, look how the whole world goes after him. Look how the whole world has gone after him. And this is the thing with grace and freedom. People are drawn. The whole world is drawn to this incredible freedom and grace that Christ has given us. And then thirdly, the, the Roman opposition would have been the third group. And the Romans ruled over the Jews um, and were many, in many respects the opposition of the Jews. And um, nothing is recorded on that day about the Romans, but I would imagine that they were there keeping a close watch 
making sure there wasn't going to be some sort of revolt and craziness happening. And uh, they, so they were keeping a close eye on what was happening. And they were probably thinking to themselves, you know, the, the Romans were a mighty empire. And they were probably thinking to themselves, oh, oh my word, there's this Messiah, the so-called king of the Jews, riding on a donkey, entering into Jerusalem. <laughs> Come on, you know. And there, I was reading up um, the Romans when they took over... Um, when they were victorious on foreign soil and they gained new territory, they were given a Roman triumph, which interestingly enough is when they returned to the city, they would, there would be this pompous parade and this prideful display of all the, the leaders that they that took captive. And it would be this, people would be worshipped, like, like there would be this big celebration and they were praising all their, their might and their strength. And in so many ways, we like to display our achievements. We, we put all our certificates on our wall and we put all our trophies and medals up and uh, we get given titles like doctor and pastor and professor before our names. I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just saying if our confidence and our security comes in only those things and we don't see where it comes from, it comes from our heavenly father and it is for him, for from him are all good things and, and to him are all good things. It's his. And... Um, so here we have Jesus, and no, I'm not going to sing. Here we have Jesus, the King of Israel, God's son, humbly coming on a donkey into Jerusalem. No prideful display or pompous parade, because he knew exactly where his power was coming from. He knew exactly where his power was coming from. So let's not be like the Romans. Let our pride and our arrogance not, let us not miss accessing God's power. Let us not access, let us not miss his presence because of our arrogance and our pride. And there was, there was a time in my life where I didn't serve Christ. I was about 21, 20, somewhere around there. And I was like the Romans, I suppose. You could look at it this way. I was worshiping other gods. I was worshiping the idol of self, the idol of pleasure, to name a few. I could name a whole load more. But um, yeah, I didn't know him. And I'm just so, so glad that, sorry, I've lost my place. I'm coming. Sorry. I'm just so glad that he called me out. I'm so glad that he saved me. I'm so glad that he called my name and, and um, I'm no longer an offender. I'm no longer on the opposition, but he calls me friend. He calls me daughter. He calls me into his beautiful family. Um, and I just think it's just such a beautiful thing. And I just want to say, if you are here today, my heart is that you would hear the father saying, you know, that's the, the Father, um, for the Father so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He loved the whole world. He loved even the enemies and the opposition, and you are never too far from Him for a loving Father to call your name and just to open your hearts and to hear that He is calling you. And on this Palm Sunday, I just, I just feel like God is asking us, are you the crowd or are Okay, sorry. Are you the crowd, the fanatic fan, the Pharisee, the Roman? But I think the real revelation of Palm Sunday is that instead of being the crowd, we are to be his carriers, the carriers of his presence. We are to be the donkey. The donkey. What is that? Donkey. I don't know. I'm not doing it right. From Shrek. <laughs> um, it's not a very glamorous animal, is it? But um, so number two, my point is we are carriers of Christ. Are you the crowd or are you the carrier of Christ? And we get to be the ones, what a privilege to carry his presence. And I just want to mention three quick things and then I'll be done about a donkey. And um, the donkey is a, a humble animal. 
There's no, you know, brand or majestic about a donkey. And I love the way God just smashes everyone's ideas about this mighty king coming in to overtake the Romans with his army and restore the kingdom of Israel. Yet he chooses humility. He chooses to ride on a donkey and he chooses to come in peace and to give his life so that we can have life and rule with him. And I just feel like this is such a beautiful picture for us this morning that God will choose humble men and women to carry his presence. And then secondly, the donkey was inexperienced. He was young. It says he was a young colt. In Luke 19 verse 30, it says he'd never been ridden. And God doesn't need you to have all the, uh, the qualifications. He doesn't need you to have a theology degree to bring his presence into the boardroom, into your families, into, uh, you know, whatever relatives that maybe need to hear about Jesus. He doesn't need all of that stuff. You know, I stand here before you. Um, like Mark said, I, I, God had to do something radical in me. I knew that God had called my man to lead and lead a church. I wasn't so sure he'd called me. You see, I'm not as eloquent as my man. I'm not, you know, I used to freeze, like he said, and that's a true story. I used to freeze in front of the class doing orals and speeches, and I just hated being in front of people. I couldn't speak, and that was holding me back. And, and in a moment of the Spirit of God, it was just a beautiful moment where God did something in me, and there was this God confidence that just started to rise inside of me, not because of me, not because of my skills and abilities, but because of Him. And in um, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, I love the scripture. It says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. In 1 Corinthians 1, I love this. I think this is probably my favorite. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world, the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God. I hope that settles in your hearts today. I'm really trusting that God is doing something in you. And thirdly, lastly, this donkey was available. In Luke 19, verse 33, um, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs you. The Lord needs you to be available. That's all he's asking. He's asking for you to be available. He's asking you to trust him. He's asking you to open up your heart to him because he's the one who has all the power and the glory. And he wants to use you to carry his presence. And I just feel like let confidence rise in our hearts this morning. Let confidence rise up. You, you don't need to know him for years and years. You can know him for maybe a month or a day. You can share with this world. And that's what we are called to. We are called to mission. We are called to carry His presence into a lost, dying, and broken world. And you can do that in your homes. You can do that in the classrooms. You can do that in your workspaces or whatever sphere of influence you have. What a privilege it is to carry Jesus Christ into this world. So I want to say, let's not be the crowds. Let's not be the religious Pharisees that miss his presence or the fanatical fans that one day praise him and the next day reject him. Let's not be on the offending side. Let's be on his side. So I'm going to ask you again today, who are you? Who are you this Easter? He's asking you to carry his presence.